Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mostly Soccer Podcast World Cup Final Edition. My name is Michael J. Dalo, and today I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy what today? How do I follow that up? <laughs> I'm I'm Jimmy Claus, number one, because this is the last one we'll do before Christmas. This is a gift to our five people that want to listen to it. Um, I don't That was very impressive. That was a good announcer voice. I like that. What, my uh, World Cup final edition? Yeah, it's very, very professional. <laughs> should be doing that the whole time. That's what yeah. we've been missing. I should have one of those reporter voices like, later today in Johnston, there's a big turkey roaming around the streets. Find out how. <laughs> I don't know why that is what came to my mind when my announcer voice <laughs> or newscaster voice turkey. came. <laughs> More of this at six. <laughs> More of this <laughs> at six. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're not here to talk about turkeys walking around Johnston. We're here to talk about the World Cup. Uh, we have a massive final coming up. Jimmy and I both have a lot of thoughts. We have Twitter questions. We have debates to be had. We are the master debaters after all. Um, <laughs> but before we get into any of that, Jimmy, I want to share some exciting news. I know that you know, uh, so it's not that exciting for you, but I'm heading over to London in February and I'm going to be seeing Arsenal versus Brentford, Arsenal versus Manchester City. It's a real shame that you couldn't join me for that one, Jimmy. I know. Uh, and lastly, Newcastle at home versus Liverpool. I'm very, very excited for you. It is a shame. I would love to be there. It doesn't fit with my schedule because I am going to be my own way of out of the country like the week before. So it doesn't quite fit. Um, but that is beyond exciting. I'm very happy for you. I think you got some really, really good games to see. I think all three potentially very, very exciting games. Yeah, I'm I am so excited for Arsenal. Um and I am terrified for Newcastle. I think that game is going to be out of control. Um, I had to pay an arm and a leg to get tickets for that one. Uh, and I'm only going because uh, I'm going with our friend Mike, who's a Newcastle fan. And uh, it's going to be nuts. I'm, I'm really yeah. excited to go up north over there. But I think it's going to be aggressive. Yeah, no, I, I'm so excited for you. I, I just want to hear about this experience. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, live vicariously through you on this one. Um, I mean, in general, I will say I'm so excited for the league to be back. 11 days away from the league, seven days away from City Liverpool, which is wild to me that they will be playing this time next week. Yeah. Uh, it just feels so weird going from the World Cup to that. I will tell you, I'm excited for club football to be back. I've enjoyed the World Cup immensely. Um, obviously, regardless of the social, political things that surround it um but that's not for people like me or you at our our supreme intelligence level to get into that <laughs> beneath uh, we'll, us yeah we'll leave that to some <laughs> other folks to deal with we'll just enjoy the games but i will say i i missed the club game i missed the I, I find it more exciting i will say like i think the world cup is exciting for the different reasons like obviously these games have been crazy and to see what it means to people in the crowd and all of that is so great. But the overall play on the field, I don't think is has necessarily been fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. I, club football is undoubtedly better. It's more polished. The teams have a lot more time together and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these World Cup games are 
the team with more talent typically wins. Yeah. Um, and I mean, especially this World Cup where there was not that. I mean, most World Cups, you get that month buildup where the teams train and get to learn the style that they're going to go to that World Cup with. And obviously this case, it was you reported like what a week after your last club game and you were getting ready to play in a few days. It, yeah. it, it was quite intense. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, with saying that the the team with more talent typically wins out, we did have Morocco, the first African nation ever make it to a semifinal uh, lost against France. And then we also had Croatia make it to another semifinal. Uh, that team loves a tournament. They do. Um, I think they had a hell of a run. Obviously, this is, you know, the re- the retirement from international football for Luka Modric is going to probably impact that going forward. Yeah. But this is a team all around that just always outperforms at tournaments. Uh, I thought they were very, very impressive again. Obviously, didn't quite go out the way that they were hoping uh, with the, the 3-0 defeat to Argentina. That was never really that close. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think we podcasted first after the group stage matches, so I don't even think we we meant, mentioned them knocking out Brazil. I mean, at this point, no. it's kind of it feels so far in the past, but one yeah, of the shots we were, of the tournament. We were right before the end of the group stage because I remember we talked about the Spain game, and I'm like, you know, well, if this <laughs> yeah. happens, then then Costa Rica and Japan can qualify. And we're like, oh, it's not going to happen. And then we were so close to exactly it happening. That was wild. Uh, but, yeah, that's where we were. It was that day. It's the last day of the group stage, I believe, was the last time we podcasted. Yeah, and um, at that time, you had picked Portugal to win it all. Mm-hmm. I still have a horse in the race. I still have Argentina, yep. but I yep. did say that Spain were were going to potentially get out from that yeah. other side of the bracket, and I was wrong about that one. Yeah, I, I will say I um I have been very surprised by Argentina. I, I as we well documented, I was not in <laughs> on Argentina, and honestly, watching them play, I have not been overly impressed with Argentina. Um. But that goes back to again, it's not it's not the clubs. It's a different. It's tournaments are different anyway. Specifically, national teams are different. They've played well. They've been very good defensively, with the exception of a few minutes versus the Netherlands. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they have been really good. Uh, Odomendi, your favorite guy, has been great. He's had a great tournament. He really yeah. has. Bar, bar that Netherlands. <laughs> yes. uh, last ten minutes. Yeah, like he, he he's been very good and clearly a leader too. Of that back line, uh, which has always been something he's been good for. I mean, he he had his challenges when he was at City, but in their first their first league title under Pep, he was fantastic that season. And he he has quality. He's clearly a leader. Um, and this Argentina team has been a gritty team. Like they had, you know, they're a gritty team. That's really what they are. They obviously have the the benefit of being a gritty team that has arguably the best player to ever play on that team to go find ways to break through. But it hasn't been all messy either. It's been a combination. They've been very good defensively. They've got good performances from their two young stars in, in Alvarez and Fernandez. Both yeah. great. Yeah, I mean Argentina. Um... I mean, I, I think they've been, for me, the best team in the tournament. I mean, since the last time we podcasted, at least, um, barring that last 10 minutes against uh, the Netherlands, which is one of the more crazy matches I've ever watched. Um, but yeah, like you said, Messi's not doing it alone, but Messi sure is doing a whole, whole mm-hmm. lot. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. No, I, he's playing I, fantastic. And I don't I mean, mean that any, I don't mean no. disparagingly against him. I just mean that in the past, Argentina has been so much of a one man team. A hundred percent. They're not quite that right now. A hundred percent. Julian Alvarez is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. what, what a player to bring in for what, like 20 million? Yeah, under. Um, it was like 15 million he's, or something. He's unbelievable. He reminds me of Gabriel Jesus. He's just he a does. friggin' workhorse. He's going to go back to front no matter what. He's always pestering opponents. Um, and, you know, I think he's probably, I mean, he's still green, but he might be a better finisher than Gabriel Jesus. That's what but I was I, say. You know. He's less skillful, less dribbling skill, but he he's a better finisher. He He's a pure finisher. The way he strikes a ball is clean. Yeah. Like, he, he, he he's... He is a talent. He was an absolute steal. If he had not been sold this summer, which actually was sold last January, weirdly, but if that had not happened, the amount of money that he would be going for oh, going into the January window would be insane right now, and every team in the world would be in on him. Yep, I um, agree. So I'm very happy. Um, I think he's going to be a big factor in the second half of the city season for City. Um, I don't think Erlen Holland knock on wood ha- does have an injury history. Uh, so I think there will be chances, but I also think just the fact that city plays so many games, uh, there's going to be chances for him to play. And there has been, he's had great performances for city already. We've, we've seen him already show for city at times. I think it gets lost and obviously the Holland hype, but having those two together for the foreseeable future is a really deadly combination. Yeah, and uh, another young player, like you said, Enzo Fernandez, has been excellent for Argentina. He's been linked to Liverpool. Uh, that mm-hmm. seems like the the likely spot right now, even though nothing is really in the works, I don't think. Uh, just a rumor. Um, but, you know, that that back line, like you said, I mean, they don't instill me with a ton of confidence. Otamendi and Romero is like a recipe for disaster at center back. I mean, those are two guys who will either shut opponents down or they'll rip someone down in the box and like get a red in like a split second. Their their uh their mental game, I don't know how how much I trust it, but they've done well so far. Uh another player I really like for Argentina is Molina, the uh mm-hmm. the right back. The right I think back. he's been great. Uh this whole tournament, um you know, he gets forward really well, he defends well. Uh very impressed by him. But but at the end of the day, Jimmy you say it's not a one-man show, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's been that. It's been less so than the last few World Cups. But oh my goodness, Messi's playing out of his mind. These matches have been like ten out of ten performances, and mm-hmm. it's every one. It's unbelievable. Whenever he gets the ball, like I don't know if I've seen him lose it this entire tournament more than like three or four times. He draws three or four defenders to him every time. Uh, the amount of a potential assist that he should have. I mean, I think he has three right now, which is the most in the tournament so far. But he's just created so many chances. Uh, if Latero Martinez could hit the side of a barn, Messi would have, you know, four <laughs> or five assists. Um, he's just been out of control and scoring goals. Penalties, I don't think, is the strongest part of Messi's game. Um, but he has been ice cold, aside from the one against Poland. Uh, playing just out of his mind. It feels to me, and knock on wood, because I really hope it were, it happens for him. It just feels like this is destiny at this point. Argentina have to win, and I, I do think they will. I think they are a more resilient team than France, and I think they want it more than France. I, I think all of that's fair. I think everything you said is fair. I do think he 
this is the you can see how much it means to him by how he's playing. I mean, we haven't seen this to be to be critical a bit of him. We haven't seen this effort in like a year and a half from him. <laughs> well, because PSG, he, do you need it? But you know what I mean, though. There's been big games for PSG where he almost looks somewhat disinterested at times. And he's obviously shown up for them at other moments. But you know what I mean? This looks like peak. Like we're turning back the clock five years ago level of what he's done. And I think they've been fantastic. I think the you can clearly see how much it means to the team to win it for him, too. You can see, like, in the young players, specifically in Alvarez and Fernandez, like, you can tell that these are guys who grew up worshiping him and now are cat now are like not equals in terms of it's messy no one's really an equal but you get my point of being like they they said they got a seat at the table now and they've earned their seat there like they, they've shown it yeah. and you know like for specifically alvarez two goals in this game like and and created the penalty yeah messy scored like yeah he gave he, messi a goal and then messi with that run yeah. uh gave <laughs> him a goal the favor. Yeah. Um, and so they've been fantastic and they deserve to be here. Um, I think your your boy, Emmy, has been great as well. He's another he fits in perfectly with the Romero Otamendi of just being and quite frankly, a lot of players on this team Paredes maybe to be the the biggest of them, which are just they're kind of assholes, but in the way that you need them to be um, to win specifically in a tournament. Um, so I, I've been beyond impressed with how it's worked for them overall. Um, I want to give credit to one other person we didn't talk about, which is McAllister, who I think has been yes very good. Messi, uh, but wears a two instead of a zero. He looks just like Messi, man. <laughs> yeah, like, and and he's playing at a fantastic level. Um, and I, he's been good for Brighton when I've seen him play in the past. Like he he's a good player. But I, I've actually, I thought he's someone who's raised his stock. I mean, we already knew what we were getting out of the other players on this team. I think we we kind of knew it. Um, but he he's been really really good. Yeah, I'm uh I'm in I'm in on Argentina. I think it's their time. Um, but I don't know. France France are a really tough opponent. I mean, just quickly, we should. I, or I want to just say Messi has produced some famous moments in this World Cup, in my opinion. That pass versus the Netherlands uh, mm-hmm. to pick out Molina, uh, just running complete opposite direction. No look, Megs Ake passes it 20, 30 yards perfectly. Uh, absolutely stunning. And then when he cuts the up run. Uh, Guardiol for, I don't know, 40, 50 yards and just lays off a perfect ball to Alvarez. I mean, there, there's no one in the world who could do that except for Messi, truly. It was, it, he, he's been at his best. Yeah. And if he wins it, he will have deserved it, and he will finally put to rest all the the Diego Maradona comparisons that have, I, I think, plagued him in some ways. Because that mm-hmm. is the one thing that has always been the, where's his World Cup? And, I mean, he's yeah. played well enough now. This is the second time because he really did this back. Uh, it wasn't the previous one before that, right? 2014. Yeah. Um, but this is the chance to do it. And I'm excited to see where it's going to happen. But I will say it's not going to be easy because no. I do want to talk about France because I have some thoughts on France. Yeah, let me let me go first. My thoughts on France after watching that Morocco game yesterday is that France are extremely talented. All the guys that we knew were really good are still really good. Um, critically, Olivier Giroud needs to play well. 
Mbappe always plays well. It's not even a question if he's going to or not. Antoine Griezmann has been playing out of his mind. And then uh, newcomer Teo Hernandez has been unbelievable. And Tuhameni. Those have been the stars of the French team. The rest of them are a little bit suspect. Um, and the big worry for me, if I'm a French fan, is who is stopping Messi? Because I don't think the way that Messi has been playing, there is not a single person on that defensive line capable of stopping Lionel Messi, um, in my opinion. I also think they give too much space to their opponents. And I think if you're going to give that to Messi or a lot of these Argentine players, they're going to make you pay for it. And, you know, I'm drawing off mostly the Morocco game that we saw yesterday, but Mm -hmm. France don't really press. They kind of let you take the game to them. And what they want to do is hit you on that big counter with Mbappe or Dembele. Um, And, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Argentina definitely have defensive weaknesses. And I think Mbappe uh, against someone like Otamendi is a complete mismatch. Um, But, you know, I just think that Argentina attack might be a little bit too much for Varane. And if Upamecano plays, who I think has been really not playing well at all, that's going to be a problem. Uh, I think France are better off with Kanate, uh, who had a really good game yesterday. But France are the favorite. They're more than capable of winning this game. They're the defending champs. But there's something about that defensive line that just gives me a little bit of the, sh- the shakes on them. So I think a lot of what you said is entirely how I feel about France as well. I want to dig into it a little more and say, I think France are in the finals of the World Cup without really getting out of like second gear. I yeah, don't think we've played? seen them. I don't think we've seen them aside, play well. Aside from England. Aside from England. And I think England outplayed them. <laughs> They did. And France won because they got two very good goals. Like they they won from you know relying on their Giroud to do what he does, which I want to talk about Giroud. But first, I, I don't think they've played well, and I think they've got to a semifinal, and they're at a chance to win back to back World Cups, and to do it where they went into this World Cup very very hit by injuries. Um, they lost players throughout the board in midfield. No Conte. No Pogba. They they lost players in defense. They lost their two of two. I mean, we're talking about the Ballon d'Or winner, Kareem Benzema, out. We're talking about Christopher Nkuku, who's one of the rising talents in the world, out. Like, this team is not at full strength in their back in the semifinals of the World Cup. It's It shows the talent they have, because I do think France has made it this far based solely on talent alone. I, I really believe that, that they just... They out-talent their opponents in almost every match they play. They they really do. And they're well-coached. Um, you know, they've had consistency. They play not the style that I particularly enjoy, but it it works for them. I mean, they play this weird where they, outside of Teo Hernandez, who honestly probably would not be starting if not for the injury to his brother, right. where they basically start four center backs and play center backs as their fullbacks. I mean, we have Conde playing as the the right back, and and we would have saw it was, I mean, Lucas Hernandez started at left back before he was injured. Um, so it's it's clearly the style that worked for them at the previous World Cup. We saw Pavard and... Um, it was was it Hernandez again? I, I think it was. I I, I, I so. could be wrong. Who started that as well? Like where they're clearly more 
center back type of players. But I do think their weakness comes at the left center back position where Kanate I thought was good, but not great. Upamakano against England was tragic. Mm-hmm. And if he was called for the fouls that he should have been called for, England probably win that game. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, I really think he was he was shockingly bad. And again, everybody can have a bad game, but having not seen him play that much, that was like really, really bad. <laughs> um, it, so there are weaknesses there that Argentina can exploit with their pace and creativity that they have on the ball. But at the same time, you can't count out team when you when you have Mbappe, which again just gives Mbappe. But you really can't because you can tell the fair teams have when he's on the ball. You can see it. Um, and the goal, the second goal against Morocco, while it was not his goal, he almost created single-handedly yeah. that goal. I he mean, did everything by going through the team like it was like a knife through butter. It was it was very impressive. But what I want to say is we cannot not give credit to Olivier Giroud, who has done it again. He has once again shown up to a World Cup, got no respect, no love, (laughs) and has performed 10 out of 10 in every single game. May not always score the goals, but he has at this World Cup scored them too. He's added that, which before he was really just, you know, the target man setting everybody else up. He has been fantastic. I actually watched a video the other day of Virgil van Dijk saying he's the hardest player he's ever had to defend. And he is a criminally underrated player who always performs in the big moments. And I think it's about damn time we gave him some respect. Yeah, I mean, you know, having had Drew at Arsenal for a few years, he was either stunning or horrific. And I think with Drew, you see flashes of that in every game, like Morocco yesterday. Um, He had one of the shots where he hit the post. Uh, basically out of nothing, and it was a missile, and he made a great run, uh, and he can post defenders up like he did against England. He can dunk on people like he did against England. Um, But then, just like yesterday, he basically missed an open net against Morocco, and it's like, he he's fantastic. Uh, I think he deserves a ton of credit, a ton of respect. He's a rock when he plays for France. Um, But, you know, do I think... Giroud is going to be the difference maker in Argentina versus France in the final. I don't know. I don't know if I can put that much confidence in him, but I guess he is a big time player. I don't know what else to say. I mean, he, he showed it time and time again, and there I am not giving him his due respect. Yeah, that that's what it comes but, down to. Though. But I have a little bit of reason. I I had to watch this man struggle to score goals yeah. against Crystal Palace for four years. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. I think that's fair. But I do think we do need to give him his damn respect. I think it's about time he finally gets it. I mean, he's a man who's pulled out some of the most ridiculous goals I've ever seen, too. I witnessed. Like, time and time, you witnessed one of them. But, like, time and time again, he's he pulls out some stunners, and he is a pest. He's one of those players that you can tell just, like, wears out the defenders playing yeah. him all game. Yeah, he's um, unbelievable. So, credit to him. Uh, probably would not be playing if Benzema is healthy. And yet, he has been fantastic. And same goes for Antoine Griezmann, who, again, maybe would not be playing if Nkuku was healthy and has been, in in my true, honest opinion, outside of probably Messi, he's the player of the tournament for me. Yeah, outside of Messi (laughs) and potentially Mbappe. I think Griezmann has done more for France than Mbappe. Um, He's been stunning every game. I mean, this is a player that 
I don't know if you felt this way, but I was like, uh, Griezmann's kind of like done. on the he's on the back nine. He yeah. hasn't done much in like a year or two, but this tournament he has been prime. He has been unbelievable. He has the most chances created, more than Messi, more than Mbappe. He's been stunning. Yeah, he re- uh, he he's been great. I I felt the same way after the the Barcelona move. Just kind of kind of just looked like it killed him. Like it really yeah. did. It looked like it took everything out of him. He wasn't playing how he was used to playing it and he's been good since he's been back at Atletico and now he can finally play more than 60 minutes like we talked about before and I I think he's been better this season I think he'll continue to get better um he's always been a player I really like like he was a player at his peak I was a huge fan of because he's another player who's a bit of a pest he's a bit of a nuisance to play against but he does it with a more of more talent like you know usually those players are not high level talents and he is and i've just been so impressed to kind of see him back yeah and i mean this is a trend with the french national team i feel like these players that you think are not gonna <laughs> are not performing underperforming i mean rafael varan maybe is another example they paul pog has been the example for 10 years they show up in a french shirt and it's like they're reborn <laughs> it, it, it's crazy but it is true yeah yep they're they're the favorites. I mean, it, it's going to be a fantastic game. I mean, what's your prediction, Jimmy? We have some Twitter questions to get to and and some other stuff. But what is your prediction for this final? So I have a bad prediction, but it's something I truly believe in. Don't say zero zero. No, no, it's not that. It's okay. worse to me in my head. <laughs> we are going to have a first half penalty decision. That dictate that, in my opinion, ruins this game. I don't know which way it's going, but I think we're going to have a dicey penalty given that everybody's going to be like, it's nil nil World Cup final. Mm. Don't make that call. And some referee is going to make themselves the center of it all and give it. Because I feel like the majority of finals I watch come down to an early first half refereeing decision that dictates the game. And I feel like that's going to happen. I don't know which way it's going to go. But that's been in my head is like, it's going to happen. It's going to be given to one or one of the teams and the other team's not going to be able to recover from it. Mm. That's how I feel. I do think that, I think that if Argentina scores first, France has a better chance to come back based on, I I do think that because I think with the play, with someone like Mbappe and Dembele, where like if you they're chasing if you chase the game, it, yeah, you're in they, trouble. They have a better chance to like come back. Whereas Argentina, if they get down, it's going to be so much reliant on Messi. And at that point, the other team can just like you know what's coming, and you yeah. can try to I think shut it down more. Um, and they just have less proven goal scorers. Like I, I love Alvarez, but he's played out of his mind. But he's you know a young player. Um, You've talked about Lataro Martinez. I mean, Lataro Martinez is... He's been in rough shape I mean, he's this a, tournament. He's in a mental pretzel. That guy cannot figure it out right now. Um, and Dybala was back. He came off the bench in the last game, but has not played. Has been, you know... I, I just don't think you can count on somebody no, who's close he's not going to play. So... Well, so, I, so before... You didn't give a prediction, which is good. Because before we get there, I want to talk about all this stuff that we're seeing online. Do you think that these referees are giving Argentina preferential treatment? That's tough. I think it's tough. Because hold on. Here's what I'll say. Can I? Can I? I want to answer your question. Let me answer your question. I think if you the I want to give context to one thing before I did it. The World Cup is in Qatar, right? 
yes. in Qatar. Who had what club has ties to Qatar? Yeah, PSG. Um, what two stars are in the finals? Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is a win win for Qatar, right? They were never going to win the World Cup. So at least your crown jewels, your two stars of Messi and Mbappe yeah, are but... in the final. I'm just saying, it's, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's ironic, I guess, or fitting yeah. that that ends up being there. I do think that I've seen, I think Argentina has gotten. They've been pretty beneficial in most of these games, how calls have gone. I think the specifically the end of the Netherlands game, I think there's plenty of players that could have been sent off. I think everybody wants to point to the messy yellow, the handball and all of that, which I think is like never going to be called. Let's be quite clear about that. But like both sides, yeah. But I feel like there was, there have been dicey decisions, but that's been consistent throughout this tournament. Refereeing has been abysmal the whole tournament like let's be real about that it's been very bad um i i mean i think france got some very beneficial decisions in the game against england like yeah i think of all the games that france england game was the worst officiating i've seen in a long time i mean they were kicking the shit out of england and nothing was being called it was it was bizarre i mean france's first goal should have never counted there was a blatant foul. Oh, yeah. And it should have never counted. Yeah, just I, I mean, it, and I, I question for you. If that's a league game, does that goal stand or is it called back? Because I think it's probably called back because it was. No, fouls don't get called on Saka. That's literally a thing. <laughs> they don't call fouls. When it's on Bakayo Saka, they do not call a single thing. It's unbelievable. They let people do whatever they want to him. And I don't understand it. But at least that is con- consistent. I, I was not going to do this. Did you see the rumor today of uh, City's interest yeah, in soccer, by happening. the way? I don't think contract. it's happening. Why would, so he, go, why would he go there? He has the best manager in the world, the best team in the country. Why would he go downgrade to City? It doesn't make any sense. I don't. Th- I want to point out, I don't think there's any <laughs> chance it happens. I just want it. I've been wanting to just... just yeah, I mean, those bit. articles are like, uh, you know, they're eyeing... What was it? Saka and someone else who was great. Jude Bellingham. Yeah, Jude Bellingham. Yeah, so is every other team on yeah. the planet. Um <laughs> So what's the point? <laughs> but yeah, um, officiating, I, I I don't know what people are complaining about, quite frankly. Um, the only two games I'll say that were officiated very poorly were France versus England, uh, I guess to the benefit of France. And however, England was given two penalties there. So it's not like, oh, blatant cheating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Dutch versus Argentina. But I think that there was a lot on both sides where, like, there was just a reluctance to send players off, which I actually enjoyed. I, I yeah. hate I hate these big calls, like, for no reason, where you don't really need to give a second yellow or a straight red, and and you kind of ruin the game. Um, so, you know, people can complain all they want, but I, I don't think there's really been anything overtly bad. Um, and And... The big thing I want to say is just the Portugal team. What are they going on about? I, what I are they going on about? That I feel the same because I I feel personally in the quarterfinal that they got the preferential refereeing yeah, treatment they, in that what game. What are they saying? I mean, there should have never been the sending off that happened. They got a ridiculous amount of added time at that game. And I know this whole World Cup, like this whole World Cup has been bonkers with the fact that every game has to have eight minutes minimum 
I, yeah. I don't know what that is. Bizarre. I don't understand it at all. And it actually, quite frankly, does it. It's worse because when you actually have actual delays, that team's actually getting less time than the rest of these teams because everybody's getting six minutes minimum every single game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Portugal thing, I don't get. I don't get that at all. Like, I don't get what they were going on about. At Portuguese all. people are so terrified of Lionel Messi winning a World Cup, more so than Brazilian people. More so than anyone on the planet, Portuguese people are devastated that Lionel Messi is in a final. When Messi wins on Sunday, I don't want to hear from a single Portuguese person again. <laughs> At all. It's going to be Just hard to that trip. <laughs> yeah, Mike is Portuguese. Brooke is Portuguese. I don't want to hear from him anymore. <laughs> Unless you got something nice to say, don't say it at all anymore. Um, this has been a terrible tournament for all Portuguese people. Not just the fact that they were bounced out by Morocco. Um but because their goat has shown that he is complete toast. The team is better without him uh, and that he has no place in the debate versus Messi. There is no conversation anymore. Not that there ever actually was, but there is literally none anymore. And if you don't like that, I'm saying that it's because you don't know what you're talking about. And that's where <laughs> I'm at at this point before I'd be like, oh, you know, I don't, I, I just think Messi's better. But now it's you don't know what you're talking about. I don't care that he's older. I don't care about anything. His game is not the same as Messi's. It never was. It never will be. Messi is the GOAT. I don't care. Can we can we briefly talk about what the hell's happened to him in the last month? Nobody likes him. He's a diva. He sucks. He makes teams like, worse. Th- that's the main thing I want to talk about. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the diva thing. I really don't care about that. Because the point of being, when he was out there winning Champions Leagues, he was a diva then. Yeah, no one cared. True. He's always been that. He's If anything, he's consistent with that. Mm-hmm. He's not consistent with the fact that his teams are now better when he doesn't play. This is now a club and country that were both better on the field when he was not there. Yeah. I mean, Messi gets a lot of criticism for walking around, right? Mm-hmm. But more so... Which he does. Which he does. <laughs> but but to his credit, he picks his moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where Ronaldo, he walks around a lot, and then he's just become so one-dimensional, in my opinion where it's just like you either are launching in crosses to him so he can float and dunk on someone, or he's trying to do wind sprints past people and rip shots, which doesn't really work as well as it used to. Yeah. Cause he can't run like he used to. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's like there, there's a clear difference. If you watch him play, he doesn't have the, that burst that he had before that separated him. No, like that, that was a big part of his game was he'd get on the ball and from a dead, he'd slow the ball, he'd slow it down and then, quick accelerate and people couldn't keep up and he'd be able to also body people off due to the strength and he doesn't have that quick burst like he had before and now his game is very one-dimensional where he relies on so much of the team having to do so much work for him to be involved he's still an exceptional finisher of the ball yeah but he needs to be put in the situations now he can't put himself in them as much anymore yeah and he's not willing to put the work in to create situations for himself anymore. Um, which is the weirdest thing. Because right. that was the one thing that always separated him, which was he worked harder than anybody. With the addition of having the supreme level of skill, was such a hard worker. And now, it's just not quite there. Yeah. I, you know, I've also gotten questions from a few friends who don't watch soccer so much, but it's the World Cup, so they're watching they're like, oh, is Mbappe going to be the GOAT? Like, if he keeps winning World Cups and whatnot, like, 
going insane in the French league, like, do you think he'll surpass Ronaldo and Messi? And the answer I've given is like, I just think it obviously like Messi and Ronaldo are very different players, but so is Mbappe and Messi. And, you know, I just think when you have a player like Mbappe or Ronaldo there, I mean, young Ronaldo is not one dimensional. This Mbappe is not one dimensional by any means. They're both some of the best players we're probably ever going to see. But I think once you start hitting your late thirties, like Messi is in now, like Ronaldo is in now, when your game relies so much on your pace, I I think it, you're just bound to have it fade a little bit. And, you know, you don't age as well as someone like Messi, who has never really been the quickest player. He's more an intelligent midfielder who controls a game type of player than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I mean, I think it's too early to say what with Mbappe, just because I, I think we get lost of the fact that the Messi and Ronaldo both have done this for like 15 plus that years very of true. doing this. And Mbappe, to his credit, we're on like year, what, six, seven now of it? I want to say six. I think this is like the sixth year of him doing this, which is in- incredible. Mm-hmm. But again, six years is incredible. We could see him hit a dip in a year or two. And all of a sudden he's, yeah, an incredible, great player, but not in that conversation. Right. Like, you know what I mean? There, there's been exceptional players over the year that are not at that level. Yeah. So you need to do it for such a long period of time to be there. Will it be out of this world that he would have won two World Cups at 23 years old? Yeah. Yeah, that puts him in the potential to be the best ever. But you have to keep doing it. So it's a long way to go. Yeah, I, I will just say, obviously, in the short time that we've seen Mbappe play, he's one of the best players I've seen ever. And Absolutely. right now, he is my best player in the world. Um, Messi has been unbelievable this tournament, but I, I think if I had to pick someone to have on a team going forward, it would probably be Mbappe yeah. just because he's so, you know, he's young and he's he's yeah, incredible. He's, he's like he's peaking. Yeah, he's at his peak. I mean, I think we're we're I, I'm so happy to see where we're at when we have players like him and we have players like Erlen Holland coming along to finally like pick up this baton and have the next generation. Cause for we've been so many years now, oh, this is the next, this is the next Messi. Oh, we've got we found the next Ronaldo. And it's like, mm, no, they're not. Like they're some a lot of times they're good players. Like Rafael Leal for a long time was like, oh, he's the next Cristiano Ronaldo because he's Portuguese. He's someone who likes to dribble, plays on the wing. And he's a great player, like a really great player. But he's not Cristiano Ronaldo. No. And there's been so many next Messi's, and they've never been the next Messi. Um, So we'll see. I, I do want to say one last thing, talk about someone else who I actually thought had a great tournament. They barely played due to injury. I thought we saw peak Neymar talk about the other PSG boy. He scored the goal of the tournament. Insane goal. Um, he looked really, really good in the games he got to play. Um, and Neymar has always looked great for Brazil. Uh, always has. He's such an he's another player in like an odd space of we don't know. I honestly hope for his sake he moves on from PSG next year. If Mbappe's going to stay, like if Mbappe's going to stay, he needs to move because He's become second fiddle to Mbappe and really third fiddle to Mbappe and Messi. And he's too good of a player for that. Yeah. Because you see the difference in Brazil where he's the guy, what he can do. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, 
I'd like to kick the shit out of that whole Brazil team. I mean, no, <laughs> no one, no one looks like they deserve like a nice cleat right to the shin more than Neymar and like Richarlison. But uh, all you know, incredible like the, the players. Stupid dance. Oh my god! <laughs> How great was it when they lost to Croatia? It was so awesome to see them go out. Um, and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> side topic did you see richarlison's ridiculous tattoo of him neymar and r9 oh yeah yeah what yeah, a weirdo he's... man <laughs> what an absolute you know, weirdo i don't like to put it like as like a personal level about people because i get it you know he just to tattoo like yourself him. on your back yes. is a weird thing to do yes and and again richarlison good player he is a good player he's a yeah. good player it, he doesn't belong in the same breath. <laughs> it's like that players. photo uh, that DJ, our friend DJ has of him among the Yankee greats. <laughs> Someone got him a painting of all like the Yankee greats. Yes, and then he's DiMaggio, just airbrushed Mickey in Mano, there. DJ Tatar. <laughs> That's exactly what I think of. <laughs> yeah, there's Richarlison with, you know, Ronaldo and friggin Neymar and then he just put himself there my god what a what a weird dude uh anyways uh what's your what's your prediction before we get to Twitter questions for the final official prediction (sighs) this is so hard for me because I've been wrong on Argentina the whole time like I've been wrong and I my brain still tells me Argentina's gonna lose France are better they are the underdog but it does feel like it's fate. It feels like this is like felt like fate in 2014 too, didn't it? It did. Um, I, you know, I've been wrong the whole time. I'll stay wrong. Two one France. <laughs> I think this is going to be a fun game. I think we. It's rare that you get a really fun final. Three two Argentina. How great okay. would that be? A shootout, no extra time, no penalties. Three two Argentina. Yeah. Can uh, I? If that's my. If that's my wish, even though penalties are obviously exciting for all the wrong reasons, yeah. please let's settle this on the field. Like the way the game's meant to be played. Yep. Like I, I penalties are so they're fun to watch because it's like the the anxiety you just see how the players face. Like it's exciting to watch, but it's not the game. Let let, let the game settle it. Let this yeah. be finished on the field in regular time. <laughs> I I think it will be. I think both of these teams' defenses are bad enough to let that happen. So, And their attacks yeah. are good enough to allow it. So we'll yeah. see. Uh, all right. And then we had some questions on Twitter. Uh, a few of them from our friend J.D. Siegley. He said, who is the best young player at this tournament? Let's exclude Mbappe. All right. Yep. Easiest question for me. Tucci Mani. Done. He has been exceptional. Um, he looks like Patrick Vieira. <laughs> he does. <laughs> However, made a few mistakes. Made a mistake in the Morocco game to give he them did. a big chance. Made a mistake in the England game. I think he gave away one of the penalties, right? He did, yeah, he did. So, for as good as he's been, he's mm-hmm. had his lapses. Um, that'll happen when you're, what, 19 years old? Like and you're carrying the midfield yeah. of a World Cup finalist? Of France and Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say he's carrying Real Madrid, but still, you don't get my point. Um, You know... You know who I want to say is Bakayo Saka, who I would say arguably was the best young player of the tournament. 
I mean, Jimmy, he and that England he was versus France good. game, he was the best yeah. player on the field. And Mbappe was on the field, but Kyle Saka yeah. was the best player. Yeah, he was very good, but but he I don't think he's in my top three. <laughs> oh, come on. He's not. Uh, that's that's harsh. He's, um, it's nothing against him. I think he's exceptional. He's exceptional, but he's not my top three. I have two other people I, I view ahead of him. I think aside from Saka, I'll go with Julian Alvarez. I've been so impressed by him. And to be the goal scorer of a team um, is not an easy task, especially when you're that young. So I'm, I'm going to go with him. Yep. So he was my three. My number two was Enzo Fernandez. I think Enzo's been great, but I think Alvarez has done a little bit more. He has. I just think Enzo came from, like, for me, lower level. Like, mm. I maybe it's just because I see Alvarez play. I know how good Alvarez was. Yeah. Uh, where Enzo Fernandez, I've heard the name mainly, I think, because I've packed him in FIFA like a billion times. Um, but I, I've known the name. He plays for Benfica. He plays for a great team, but he just got there. Um, and he's been really, really good. He's got a hell of a shot on him, too. Yeah, he does. He just, he, he looks like somebody who could be a real difference maker in games, like a midfielder that can like get that breakthrough when you need it. So I, I've been just really, really impressed with him. Yeah, him and then uh, before he got absolutely sent back to his place by Messi, uh, Guardiol uh, <laughs> yeah. for Croatia has been yeah. uh, fantastic. And also number eight for Morocco. I don't know his name. I don't know how old he is, um, but he was phenomenal in every game they played uh, in this tournament. Just uh, really held the ball so well. Super clever. Uh, he, he was great. I don't I don't know that he even plays for. Like a first division team. As a Dinunani. Yeah. I don't know where he plays or anything about him, but uh, he was great. I he thought is he 22 was awesome. years old, so he is young. He'll probably he get a move. He plays in France for Angers. En guard. That's right. All right. Uh, number two from JD. He said, are you more, less, or equally excited about the U.S. men's national team looking forward to 2026 World Cup? That's easy, too. Way more. 100%. Way more. But much better than I expected them to be. We're going to be in the semis. 2026. Oh, yeah. uh, we're in Morocco. <laughs> uh, oh, and then this is my favorite question that he asked. Uh, which team was the biggest disappointment during the tournament, and why was it Belgium? <laughs> so mm. Belgium were probably it for most people. Um, they looked the worst, probably, of yeah, the bunch. I, yeah, but I, I thing is, I don't think I went into it with high expectations for Belgium because it's kind of already seemed like it was over for them. Didn't it really? Like, it already seemed like it was done. Yes, but they were like... Kevin De Bruyne was in like the news, like, no, we're not gonna win. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, he, he's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, but just like a weird, know, weird, weird take. Because that team know. hates each other. That's the biggest issue. They all hate each other. Yeah, that was Belgium, made apparent. <laughs> yeah, like they they don't like each other. I mean, but outside of them, who is it for you, Michael? Uh, Denmark. Denmark. Oh, Denmark. Denmark. I had such high expectations for Denmark coming off the Euro. Um, they were dog shit in every single game they played. They were second best in every group stage match. They were horrible. Um, you know, I, I would also say Germany because they didn't get out of the group, but I think Germany just had some bad beats. I think Denmark were actually bad. I think that's fair. Um, I think one of them for me would be 
Uruguay. Yeah. Um, I expected them to get out the group. They always scare me in tournaments because I always think they come to play. And honestly, I and I know they beat Ghana in the last game. I could, they kind of feel like Denmark to me was. I thought they kind of sucked. Like watching them play, I I just outside of Fetty Valverde, I did not think that team was good. Like I don't think anybody looked good for them. Uh, yeah. I know the what's Aaron Consesta, whatever his name was, scored I think the two goals. Um, but really outside of Valverde, nobody on that team really looked very good. Yeah, no, so they were a disappointment. I, yeah, I, I just thought that they were really bad. I expected them to be better. Whereas, like, I kind of thought Belgium were done. Germany, I didn't love. I talked about that. And Spain, you know how I felt about Spain. So, Yeah, I, I was disappointed with Spain. But that that was always how Spain was going to be, right? They were going to be undone by, like, <laughs> something stupid and then not be able to score a goal. Uh, but still, I think Spain was fun to watch, in my opinion. You know, I like the dominant team style. Um all right, and then we have a question from Brett M. Footy. He said, which U.S. men's national team player was your biggest disappointment? Can I go? Yeah, go ahead. Haji Wright is awful. <laughs> awful player. Don't know how he made the team. Don't know how he plays. Um, he scored the, a ridiculous goal. By the goal. grace of God, he scored that goal against the <laughs> Netherlands. Uh, he knew nothing about it. I think he's bad. I think he's really bad. I don't think we'll see him again in the World Cup. Yeah, I, th- I yeah I don't either. I think that's fair to say <laughs> we won't see him again. Um, I think that tough because I didn't necessarily think anybody on the U.S. was like exceptionally bad. I thought, well, I will say this except one person: Shaq Moore stinks. Shaq Moore came on, <laughs> and that guy got toasted every single play that he was on. Could not connect the pass. He was genuinely bad, but he's Shaq Moore. I expect him to be bad. Yeah. He shouldn't have been on this team. He should have made the team, let alone be there. So it's hard to say he's the biggest disappointment because I don't think he's good. So I guess the biggest disappointment, I think I maybe expect a little more from Sergino Dest, who I thought I he looked Des really good, good in the Dutch game. Huh? I thought he had a good tournament. Really? See, I, I just didn't think he was very good. I thought he was good against the Dutch, fittingly, being Dutch. Uh, he was good against them, but I thought he was like, I thought he could have offered so much more. And there were so many times where he couldn't, his cross hit the first man, couldn't get yeah. things. Like, I, I, I just of, of the top level players, I think a lot of them increased their stock. I think his just kind of leveled out. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, I thought Des had a good tournament. A player who I, the last time we podcasted, I was pretty excited about Anthony Robinson. Mm-hmm. The more I watch him, the more I realize that he's not really very polished um he's good though he, he's good but his first touch let us down a lot mm-hmm. in that netherlands game like he i don't know who he reminds me of but he's he's just a very good defender but aside from that like he's he's very wiry with the ball um kind of he, he let me down a little bit but he also surprised me at the start of the tournament i think like your opinion about dusty probably kind of stayed where he is value wise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I hope the next time we see them in a World Cup, he's there and he's polished a little bit more of his game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say, I think he's been linked with some moves. Um, I want to say Inter Milan, I think uh, Newcastle, like I, I think he's mm-hmm. going to get a decent move. I mean, left backs are hard to find like that. that that's a, like it's hard to find left backs and going forward. He's pretty good. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think he will get a move. I mean, he's a good player. 
He's and, a good player. Uh, he's not great, but he's good. Yeah. And then which one surprised you the most from the U.S. team? Uh, Tim Ream. That was my pick, too. I love Tim Ream now. He was really good. Like he, I mean, the guy's captain Fulham. Like, like we need to talk. Like he's been the captain for Fulham in games in the Premier League this season. Like he's actually a good player. It sucks the fact that like he's old. Like I, I, he's he's up there. I wanted to say he's like mid mid thirties at least already. Um, he's been around for a long time. In the past, when we've seen him play for the U.S., he always was not very good. Like going fairly, just a little slow, a little lumbering at times. I thought he was great. I think he held the back line down. I thought he was. I honestly thought he was great. I, I yeah. really do. Yeah, I think uh, he was unbelievable. Uh, Tyler Adams. We talked about him the last yeah. time we podcasted. Mm-hmm. He was the star of the U.S. team this yep. tournament. Yep. Uh, unbelievable. And I guess for a surprise, you know, Musa. I think had a slow start to the tournament, and then he found his form and he looked really good. I know he's not usually like a, a midfielder, right? He usually kind of plays like a, a winger left. He's like a left mid. So he is a yeah. mid, but I think he plays more out like outside mm-hmm. mid more. Uh, but I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was very good too. I mean, he'll get, he plays for Valencia, he plays for a big team already, but he might be somebody else linked with who gets a move. He's a, he's young. He's been playing in La Liga now for them for three years now. Like he, he's been playing since he was like 17 years old starting. So, I mean, he, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, I, I, he is very good. I mean, the midfield was great for no denying that the midfield played great. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question Brett asked was, uh, do you think Morocco is a template of hope for the U.S. going forward? I'm going to say no. Um, and the reason I say that is their system's completely different. Obviously, Morocco has heavy ties to France, like like a lot of, you know, there's quite a few Northern African countries that do have ties with France. And a lot of their players play in France from a very young age and get that development, which that is always, in my opinion, the thing that holds the U.S. back is coaching and development mm-hmm. of players. Like, that's the issue here. It's because you young players in the U.S. is still valued so much based on physical attributes. Like, oh, this this kid's taller and faster than the kids. He's going to be – he's the star of the team. And it's like it, this sport, it's not all about that. Does it help? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it definitely helps. Yeah. But there's a lot of great players. Like, put it this way. If Leo Messi was born in, like, <laughs> South Carolina, he would have never been Leo Messi. Like, with his talent level, would he have still been a pro and all that? Yeah, absolutely. The undeniable talent. But he wouldn't have got the development that he got. And I, I think that's the biggest issue you have, where you have players that get overlooked. And obviously, Morocco has a better connection with France, better chance to bring those players along. I do think it's hope showing that in a tournament, you don't have to be the most talented team to be able to make noise. You have to be well coached. You have to know what you do. Um, and you can succeed. So they're in that way, yeah. Yeah, and I think... The, I agree that I don't know if that they're the template, but I think it, it gives you hope to see that a team that knows what they do well can go out and win games that they were probably not supposed to win. Um, you know, I think the U.S. were naive in that game against the Netherlands. They went out there and they thought they were going to play the Netherlands off the pitch, um, and that was never going to happen. So. You know, they put that first goal away. It's a different. I game. know. I agree. And Pulisic should have scored that first goal too. But well, and also learn to mark people. 
Yeah. Like mark mark the cross at the top of the box. Like like undone by the, very simple things. That was the thing. Is like yeah. it, it was kind. Of, it was really sad because I thought they played so well, and they gave up. Granted, the third one I don't fault them as much because at that point you're chasing the game. But those first two goals, especially the one right before half, when the U.S. had come back into the game right before half and was looking good, like they had a chance to tie it up to give up that goal. And it it was just – it was sloppy. It was sloppy. I expected better from them on that. Honestly, I don't think they – I think they played so good in the group to then be outdone – like to outdo yourself. Like I don't think the Netherlands did so much amazing work that they were unable to stop them. They just made some really rookie errors. Yeah. And then last question before we close out for you from me. Do you think Bearhalter is the manager of 2026 World Cup? No. All right. Let's hope not. <laughs> let's yeah. hope not. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. He did his job. He did his job. He moved them forward with a young team. I think they're in a better place than when he took over. They're in a good spot. I really hope that they can get in someone who's a better man manager. Because that whole Gio Reyna thing is a—it's a goddamn mess. What happened there? That's just embarrassing from all facts. It's embarrassing for Reyna. It's embarrassing for Barrel. It's embarrassing for U.S. Soccer. Um, and point is also like, regardless of whatever the situation with Gio Reyna is, he is still the most talented player on the team. You should find a way to maybe play him. Yeah. And if he wasn't fit, then you shouldn't have brought him. If that was it, like if that was the basis for, it, then don't bring him. Bring somebody who can actually help. Agreed. Agreed. Maybe Jesse Marsh will lead us into 2026. You that would be know. something. I would love yeah. that. No, um, I will say I love Jesse Marsh. His style of play of like all out attack and no defense <laughs> doesn't so, really fit. So stressful to watch at a tournament. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Jimmy, uh, why don't you hit him with the plugs before we go? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at soccer. Mostly you can email us mostly soccer show gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We've enjoyed the interactions during the World Cup. Uh, If you've enjoyed what we've had to say, please do leave us a five-star review. Let your friends know about the podcast. Share it around. Get some more people in the holiday season listening to us two jabronis. (laughs) And uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Yes. Enjoy. Yeah, we'll see you next time.